Hey, welcome to ACF Church, and we're so glad that you're with us watching this message online. And our hope is that it would encourage you to be more like Jesus and walk closely with Him as an apprentice of Christ. And our hope is to give away all of these resources for free as much as possible. It takes a lot of time and energy and people to make that happen. And if you'd like to support the mission of God financially for ACF Church, you can go to acfak.org and you can give there. Now enjoy the Word of God proclaimed. Let's face it, life is hard, especially in times like these. None of us have an Instagram perfect life like we make it out to be. In fact, it's more like being stuck in the mud, heart thumping, mind racing, and overwhelming to the core of our being. But right now, ACF, you are meant to do more than just survive. Sure, we could just bury our potential in Netflix and self-isolation, but that's a great way to waste a life. Today, we choose to take back what's been taken from us and push ahead, but we can't do it alone. We need a pack, a team, a tribe of trusted friends with us on this rugged trail we call life. Being a lone soldier is a great way to get shot, so we're choosing to stand together in the fight. So what do you think? Are you ready to find your people? Well, we're here to help. And you just might realize that your people have been trying to find you. Well, ACF Church, we're so glad that you're here with us today. Wherever you're at watching uh, this streaming service, we just want you to know we love you. I miss you. I'm grateful for you. Our family, we actually launched our own outpost this this week, which is a home church meeting at uh, the Cook Home. And so wherever you're viewing from, we just want you to know we love you so much. Uh, Whether you are somewhere in the United States, somewhere uh, global, you are part of our ACF family. And if you're new to ACF Church and you don't know anything about us or why we exist. Here's the deal. We exist to amplify the grace of Jesus to the churched, the unchurched, and the de-churched. And so we have a lot of people, part of our community, that are from a a churched background, where at some point they walked away uh, from being part of a church family. And so if that's you, we just want you to know we love you. We just hope that you can explore and uh, identify your faith in some new and profound ways as you hang out with us at ACF. And so uh, we are actually starting into a brand new series today called Times like these. These are some really interesting and challenging and formidable times that we live in right now. And just so you know kind of where we're going over the next few weeks, here are the titles for the week. So next week we're calling Refined, and and we're talking about how God reveals who we really are through the struggle. Isn't that true that as we struggle, God kind of shows us who we are at a core level. The next week we're calling Rhythm. This is about how to build patterns of health and flourishing into your life, and just rhythms that are going to lead to a a healthy year. The last week, we're calling Regardless, and I love this idea that regardless of what you do, regardless of how faithful you are, God will always be faithful. And that's the promise that he gives us, and that's what we stand firmly in, is that even as we struggle, and even as we sin, even as we walk away from him, God is always faithful to draw us back to himself. And then after this series, we are launching into another series, a brand new series, that uh, is about church and politics. So, so talk about jumping into the fire this political season. That's what we're going to do. We're excited about it. And the series is called The Separation of Church and Hate. So I'm, I'm stoked about this, really excited to cover these topics and to get real with you guys about this. But this week, I've entitled Refuse, A Wasted Year, 
refuse. Uh, refuse is simply something that's a, a worthless piece of trash. And I would say that's exactly how a lot of people have described 2020. There's been a lot of bad news lately. It's the whole year, it seems like, is nothing but bad news, right? And, and some people, because of who they are and, and what they do and what they've been through as a person, they're more aware of how broken the world is, aren't they? Uh, maybe you are in a job where you're like a, a health worker or uh, maybe you're in civil services or uh, for me as a, as a pastor, I become very aware of the things that are broken in the world around us. I just am confronted with those things all the time and the rest of us sometimes wander through this sort of fog of reality. We don't really see how broken the world actually is and then occasionally through the circumstances we find ourselves in, the fog lifts. Occasionally, God, in his love and in his grace, he lifts the fog of our lives and shows us what reality is, and it's pretty broken, and it's pretty brutal. I actually stood with a family and was given the honor of officiating a celebration of life for uh, a young girl that died tragically a couple of weeks ago, and I just stood there watching this whole thing go down, and I thought to myself, life is brutal. Life is hard sometimes. It's really a broken world that we live in, whether we like to admit it or not. And yet before all of this COVID stuff happened or before whatever struggle you're going through hits you, you were probably doing pretty good. And in fact, we have a lot of friends and family members that that's how we would describe them as, hey, they're doing pretty good for themselves, right? Like, oh, she's doing pretty good for herself. She's got a job. She's getting married. She's having some kids. He's doing pretty good for himself. He started a business, right? Uh, he's, he's exceeding at the things that he's trying to do. And so, so whatever it may be, many of us just, that's our ultimate goal is just to be doing pretty good for ourselves. And people without Jesus or apart from faith in Jesus, that, that's kind of the goal is just to be doing pretty good for yourself. And then sometimes, Something hits us and knocks us flat on our faces and all of a sudden we are struggling and in search of the truth, in search of healing, in search of something better for ourselves. And, and in the end, here's what we need to know and what we want to talk about in this series is that that is actually God's love and grace on our lives that he's willing to, to put us through and walk us into difficult circumstances that we might see who he really is. And here's what I know as a pastor is over the years, nobody walks into church or searches online for a church to, to live stream when life is going great, right? You don't walk into church when you just aced your SATs or you just got a raise at work. You just married your dream girl, your dream guy. Like that's not when you walk into church. That's not really when most people seek after God. We seek after God when life falls apart. We seek after God when there's trouble. And in times like these, we learn what it means to really seek for God and seek the truth. And that's what a lot of people are doing right now. It's actually a really important and encouraging time in many ways because people who six to eight months ago were not seeking after God right now are looking for the truth. And I believe that God is, is creating a space for an awakening, a revival in the church right now in America and across the world through the difficult things that we're going through. One of the uh, images that people have used to describe 2020 is it's like the year of the dumpster fire. Have you heard anybody say this? Like, but this year is such a dumpster fire. I just wish, wish that it were over, right? And the reason we say this is, is because of a lot of things. We feel like we've lost control. 
We, we've been pulled out of community. We're not hanging out with our friends as much as we used to. Uh, for some of you, sports are a really big deal. And so uh, some of your teams are not playing right now. And that's a problem. And the economy's crashing. There's a loss of jobs. Uh, people are at odds with the government. Uh, we can't trust science, math, or the news right now. And if none of that were enough, right? It's a political year. It's a voting year. It's an election year. And so that is creating all kinds of extra tension for us. And so I actually thought a dumpster fire was a pretty good image for what 2020 is like. And then I actually saw this image. Now that's a mess, right? I mean, if you can think of anything that is worse than a dumpster fire, that, my friends, is actually worse, right? So how do we respond? How do we respond to the mess that is 2020? What can we do about all of this? Here's what we do. Well, when we see a dumpster fire, our first inclination, honestly, is to close the lid. That's what most of us tend to do. When, when life falls apart, when we see things for what they really are, we tend to kind of walk away from it and ignore it. We don't really want to look it in the eye. We just sort of close the lid on the dumpster fire that is our life, right? We just say, it's a total loss. Let's move on. Let's just write off the next four months and move into 2021. Let's just get over this and call it all a total waste of a year, right? When we close the lid, what we're doing is we're rejecting the truth. And this is something people have always done. This is something I've done personally is rejected the truth. This is something people in the world have done since the beginning of humanity is rejected what is true and ignored what God says about the truth. Romans 1.24 says this. It says, Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So here's what this says. It says, if you don't want to look at the truth right now, God will let you. If you just want to close the lid on the dumpster fire that is the world and that is maybe your life right now and just act like it's not there and go on living your life like there is no God or like God doesn't care or he doesn't exist, then God will allow you to do that, to reject the truth. So the question is, what does closing the lid look like in your life? Here's what it looks like in my life. I start to numb myself to reality. Do whatever it takes to just get away from what is real. Uh, maybe you act like it's just going to fix itself. Just move on and go, man, I just hope that that's going to go away. It's like when you see the check engine light on your car and you just go, man, I, I just hope that stops, you know, being on here in a few months or whatever. I just hope it goes away and fixes itself. Maybe you try to get the politicians to fix it, right? Maybe the government can fix what's broken in my life. Some of you, you run to a glass of wine or maybe a, a gotta have it size ice cream over at Cold Stones, right? That's, that's how you deal with the dumpster fire that is life and don't get me wrong, like I, I get this. I get that little ice cream can work wonders when like you've been homeschooling all day long and all the kids have done is eaten the crayons. Uh, I get it. A little bit of ice cream, a little bit of chunky monkey might be good in a moment like that. But in the end, it will not fix our problems, right? In the end, it's just closing the lid on what is the truth of our lives. And Christians, if you're a Christian and you're watching this, what we tend to do when life is a dumpster fire is get really religious, that is our tendency, is become really religious instead of dealing with what's messed up inside of our hearts. We try to get more disciplined, more moral, become better parents, stop cussing, start tithing, doing these, these religious things 
And the reason we do this is because the underlying belief is, is this, is that a better self will satisfy our deepest needs in life. Like there's, there's a better version of me that's going to satisfy my deepest needs. It's why self-help books and conferences are so popular because we still believe this, that if I can get better, my life will be better and I will ultimately be satisfied as a person. But the truth is that's never really worked out, has it? Look at your life. As you've sought after these things and tried to be a better person and, and do better in life and, and just kind of douse out the dumpster fire of your life with, with your own good works or your own good deeds, have you ever been satisfied by that, right? I mean, for some of you, it's maybe just like a physical thing where you're dissatisfied with your body and so you work out all the time. You know, you, you got the six-minute abs and you're working on that every day. But once you got the six-pack or the eight-pack, did you, did you actually go like, man, I'm happy now. I'm satisfied. I can die a happy person. For some of you, it's a relationship, right? You're just hoping and praying for the right guy or the right girl to fulfill you as a person. But here's what you need to know. Ladies, ladies, especially, if you're looking for that guy that's going to satisfy you, you will destroy every potential good relationship by trying to get him to try, to, to be that, that person who's everything for you, who satisfies you as a human being. They will never be enough. Just ask my wife. You can just, just go talk to Amanda, right? She can barely get me to put the seat down on the toilet in the house, let alone satisfy her every need as a human being. It's just not going to work out for you. In the end, no person, no thing, no gift of God will fulfill us as human beings. There is a deep-seated desire to be satisfied that can only be fulfilled by Christ himself. And, and that's what we want to do is realign our lives this next uh, four months to really be able to redeem what's been broken over the course of this year. Here's the thing. If, if nothing changes, we are headed towards a disaster. If nothing changes, this is going to be a wasted year of your life ultimately. And, and here's what I think. And this is going to be obvious to some of you. But in times like these, what we thirst for is the gospel. In times of bad news, what we really need is good news. If you're wondering what is the gospel, it's the truth that God is alive and actively redeeming the dark and hopeless corners of the world right now. And I believe this, that God is alive and actively redeeming what's broken in the world right now. And beyond that, what the gospel looks like is admitting this, that darkness isn't just something that's out there somewhere, but it's actually something inside of us as well. As you look at the dumpster fire that might be your life, as you, as you kind of look at things and go, man, it's just such a big waste right now. The tendency is to look outside of yourself, but what we want to do is to start within ourselves, is to admit that we are part of the problem. We have actually helped create the cultural moment that we find ourselves in, however broken it might be. And I'll tell you right now, more than ever, it is so refreshing to simply hear somebody say this, my bad, I'm sorry, it was my fault, right? I mean, right now, we need this. We're thirsting after just honest, authentic people who will just say, you know what? I'm a mess. I am part of the problem, so I want to be part of the solution. I am thirsty for more of that. I want to do more of that. And I want us as a church community to model that for the world, to, to, to be honest about ourselves and, and self-aware enough to admit that we are part of the problem of what's broken in the world. Proverbs 29 says this, Who can say, I have made my heart pure? I am clean from my sin. What a great question. 
The psalmist, he's like, hey, who could ever say this? That like, my heart's totally pure and I'm completely clean from my sin. The answer when I, when I read this is a lot of people right now. There's a lot of people going like, it's not my problem. I'm not part of the issue. I am clean from sin when it comes to whatever it is that's going on. There's tons of blaming right now, right? And this is our natural tendency as people is when we see that things are sort of a dumpster fire around us is we want to blame somebody else for for being the problem, for being the one that, that started the fire ultimately. And right now, I'll tell you, friends, I have heard people blaming everybody and everything under the sun. Over the past six to eight months, I've heard it all, right? I've heard it's the government's fault. It's China's fault. It's white people's fault. Black people's fault. Netflix's fault. The Democrats' fault. The Republicans' fault. The mayor's fault. COVID's fault. The doctor's fault. The NFL's fault. Facebook's, Facebook, that's a good one. Facebook's fault. The pastor's fault. And, And ultimately, if we run out of things to blame, we blame the weather or the darkness in Alaska, right? We will find something to blame when we simply don't want to admit that we are part of the problem, the darkness, isn't just out there, it's actually in here. And friends, this is where we begin to understand the gospel is when we begin to admit that there's something broken inside of our hearts. And and even for those of you who are believers, right, we are on a journey of sanctification, being made holy by God. And so that means there's still stuff within us that we're doing to contribute to the messed up things that we see in the world around us. And and even, even if we don't blame those things, sometimes what we'll do is we'll blame God, right? And here's how we'll do it. We'll say, this is just who I am. Which is essentially blaming God for screwing up when he made you, right? It's just who I am. God messed up when he built me. In the end, we find creative ways to get out of admitting that we're part of this. So why do we blame so much? Why don't we admit that we're part of the problem? Well, because blaming blinds us to our own participation in the dumpster fires of life. That's what blaming does. What's the first thing a child does when they're confronted with something they did wrong? They blame, right? I have three kids. I know this to be true. I was a kid. I'm sure I did the same thing. And I still do it. When I'm confronted with something that I did and I don't want to admit that I was part of the issue, I find someone or something to blame. So once again, we are all participants in the condition that the world is in right now, right? I mean, and and this has always been a problem. Remember uh, when, when, when the people that Jesus is confronting, they, they're dealing with this woman who is, who's a prostitute, right? And, and, and so they're all getting ready to throw rocks at her. And, and Jesus says, he who is without sin, start throwing rocks. And they end up all dropping their rocks because once again, none of us can say that we're without sin. Some of you over the past uh, six to eight months have said these words, just forget it. And if you've ever said that, you probably didn't use the word forget, right? If you ever said that, then what you're probably saying is this is all wasted. None of it's worth it. Let's just move on. And I want to tell you, if you've ever said this, these words, it takes no effort to do that. It takes no effort to give up on 2020. That's the easiest thing to do is just act like it's just a total waste and let's just move on. It takes no discipline, no sacrifice. Let's just get on to 2021 but I'm still left with this really important question. Is there any way to redeem what's been lost in 2020? Is there any way to redeem it? I actually believe there is. If you have a Bible, I want you to flip over to 2 Chronicles chapter 7. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. If you don't know anything about First and Second Chronicles, these are historical accounts of the kings of Israel 
And these writings are intended to show us how uh, even when people are not faithful, God is faithful. And they show us how, how there's godly leadership that leads to thriving and flourishing in God's people. And then there's ungodly leadership, people who do not want to submit to God and honor God that, that lead to the fall of his people. But once again, the underlying tone in, in all of these stories is always redemption. It's always that through all of this, God seeks to redeem what was lost. He seeks to heal what's been broken and to draw his people out of exile and back into relationship with him. That's the, the grand story, uh, the grand biblical story. It's also the story of your life and of my life. And so at this moment uh, in chapter 7, what's going gone on is Solomon has just finished building the temple. So it's a time of great celebration. But also God wants to tell them that trouble is coming for them. That trouble will Show up, And this is one of the most well-known texts about prayer and about fasting. And we're going to talk more about that here in a few minutes. But this is verse 13. It says this, When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain. So first off, who shuts up the heavens? God does, right? God's the one that does it. It says, Or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people. So pestilence is just some sort of plague. And I want to stop for a minute because this part of the text indicates a couple of pretty important things. The first is that the things that we walk through actually come through the hands of God. Even the difficult things walk through, they, they actually come through the hands of God. And, and that's hard to, to, to embrace sometimes and, and, and causes us to struggle with, with who is this God that would either allow or cause us to go through the difficult things that we're dealing with. But ultimately what we see in this text is that all of this comes through God's hand. And the trouble that we walk through, what it does is it puts us in a decision-making moment. So, so God is saying, hey, I know you just built the temple. I know you're celebrating, but trouble is coming. And that trouble is always intended to draw God's people back to himself. Because I don't know if you noticed this, but we have a tendency to wander a tendency to walk away from God. The more comfortable we get, the more uh, we just feel confident in ourselves and our own abilities, we wander away from God's goodness and his grace. And we start to think that we are self-sufficient. And so God says, hey, I know you're celebrating right now, but trouble's coming. It's actually coming by my hand. And, and, and listen, this is really what love looks like. And it's hard for us to understand and see in the moment because it just looks like a big dumpster fire. But sometimes that's how God draws us back to himself is he allows us to walk through really, really difficult things. And it puts us, once again, in a decision-making moment. Maybe you've been in one of these lately. Maybe you've heard these words. I'm giving you just one more chance at your job. And you had a decision to make. Maybe you've heard this. If your lifestyle doesn't change this is going to spread. And you had a decision to make. Or maybe you've heard these words, if you don't get some help, I'm leaving. And these words force us to make difficult decisions. And they identify who our God is, right? They show us who we really are and who we worship or what we worship in the end, right? And these are the moments that determine our future, right? These are big decision-making moments where we have to decide what's more important, my pride or my future. And I don't know what decision you've made in those moments. Maybe you've made the wrong decision and you're kind of walking through the wreckage of that. Or maybe you've seen how in those decision-making moments, although you would have never asked for them, you saw how that was a moment that set a new trajectory for your life. 
and you begin to, to walk back towards the truth of who God is and being honest about who you are as a person. You see, here's the thing about COVID. Here's the thing about the moment that we all find ourselves in is I don't actually believe that it's destroying our culture. I just honestly believe it's exposing it. It's putting us in a decision-making moment. And you've had six months and maybe there's been no decisions that have been made and maybe you've just been hoping it's gonna kind of fix itself and, and get better. And so once again, you've just been doing projects around the house and, and just waiting for this statement. People say this all the time. When's it gonna get back to normal, right? You're just waiting for normal to kind of wander back into your life. But friends, normal is gone. <laughs> Whatever you had is gone. God wants to walk you into something that's new and better than what you had but it means you've got to be honest about yourself and make a different decision in these moments. You see, it's these moments that create the movement. It's these moments that actually cause us to take a step forward in life when maybe we were sort of stuck in the mud in our existence. And God's like, hey, I want to invite you into something better. And the only thing that's going to shake you up is pain. And I'll be honest, that's how I work. I learned the hard way. My dad always said that, son, why do you have to learn the hard way all the time? And I still don't have an answer to that question except for the fact that that's just how I learn. I learn the hard way. I learn through pain and God understands this, right? So in his love and grace, his desire to be in a relationship with us, he walks us through very difficult circumstances so that we might be uh, able to make a decision to follow him. Let's continue on in this text. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. He says this, if my people, it's really key that you read that, if, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, so if, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land, okay? So if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. So here's a big idea for today. If you miss everything else, don't miss this. 2020 is only wasted if it doesn't draw you nearer to the heart of God. This will be a wasted year if you don't allow it to cause you to make a decision to take a step towards Jesus. And maybe you've been close to him for a lot of years and he wants to bring you even closer. Or maybe you've wandered away and you're part of that de-churched crowd. And, and so because of what you've gone through lately, a decision-making moment has been presented to you. And so now I want to invite you to, to make that choice, to step into something better for yourself. And God, he's, he's so loving and he's so gracious of us. He just allows us to wander around in, in, in our self-deception, right? He, he causes us to walk away from the truth as we read in Romans, right? But right now is an invitation to you and to our entire church to walk back towards Jesus and, and allow the pain and the struggle and the suffering and the turmoil to draw us nearer to the heart of God. Think about this. You have 102 about, depending on when you're watching this, about 102 days left in this year. So those of you who are like, ah, it's just a waste, there's a lot of months left. I mean, there's a lot of time left in this year to redeem what has been lost. So what if you embraced your circumstances and embraced this moment as God's gift to bring you face to face with both the severity of, of your sin and with the immeasurable love of your heavenly father? What if these moments are actually more of a gift than we realize, listen, I really feel like this. 
That God is actually giving the world a gift right now. As much as we feel like it's a curse, it's probably more of a gift than we realize. And in this text, God promises. He promises to hear, to heal, to forgive, right? And that's the good news right there. That's what you and I and everybody in the world needs to hear right now is that God wants to hear and forgive and heal his people through the destruction that we're walking through right now. And, and I know that every week that I speak, I'm talking to a mixed crowd. I don't know what you believe. I don't know what you think about the Bible or about Christians or about the church, but let me talk to the Christians right now. Let me just talk to you. If you're a believer right now, you need to hear this. You have got to stop living like you believe that this is how it ends. You've got to stop believing and, and living like, like this is how it ends. This is not what we believe as Christians. God's kingdom is here. Redemption is coming for you and nothing will be wasted. That's what we believe as those who are in Christ Jesus. And I actually believe that moments like this are more of a gift than we realized. And we call this series Times Like These because these are the moments, listen, these are the moments that we really learn what it means to be alive.
it's times like these you give and give again. It's times like these you learn to love again. It's times like these time, time again. So I just came back uh, from a hunting trip with some friends and uh, a friend of mine texted me. He was like, hey, how did it go? And the best description I could give it was it was a glorious disaster, (laughs) which for most people, they're like, well, that makes for some of the best stories. And that's true, isn't it? Like if everything went well, you know, that wouldn't be a very good story, right? But it was a glorious disaster. In fact, I've got a couple pictures I want to put up real quick. Um, my, my, my rig broke, my side-by-side broke about halfway through the trip. I, I broke one of the A-arms off the bottom, ended up welding it back together with a bunch of ATV batteries tied together. Um, you're going to really like my, uh, my welding hood there, uh, just protecting my eyeballs with some ACF glasses and whatever glasses we could find to put together. But it worked. It got us out of the woods, and it was a total disaster, and yet we got a move. We got some caribou. Like, it all worked out really well in the end. And honestly, it does. It really makes for a great story. And yet, it was really, really difficult in the moment. And in fact, in the moment, I was just like, can we just be done with this? I mean, honestly, the best hunting stories and the best hunting trips I've ever been on, at some point on the trip, I say, I will never do this again. (laughs) That's how it feels. Like, I'm just never going to do this again because it's so painful, so costly. There's so much going wrong. I'm like, what am I thinking? I can go to Fred Meyer and buy beef, right? There's no reason to put myself through all of this. But it's true that that these are the moments that, that shape us, right? And a lot of young hunters and people who haven't hunted for many years, they're just obsessed with getting an animal. Like for them, a wasted hunting trip is when you don't get an animal on the trip. But here's what I've learned. From years of being in the woods, I've learned this, that a wasted hunting trip is one where you don't come home any different than when you left. That's a wasted hunting trip. It's not, I mean, we want to get some meat, we want to get out there and make some memories, but honestly, a wasted hunting trip is when you come back the same person you left, right? But when you come back changed, changed by the struggle, changed by the turmoil, changed by just time alone with Jesus in the woods, that is not a waste. That is a time of redemption, right? So back to our question, is there any way to redeem what's been lost in 2020? And I believe, friends, that we can actually think that we can do that as we step forward in this next few months and and actually allow God to draw us near to his heart, it will redeem 2020 and we'll know 2020 as the year of redemption, not the year of refuse, the year of a wasted. And and, and I'll tell you this, we might have thought 2019 was, was pretty good. I don't know how you'd describe it. Maybe it was a great year. The family did well. Maybe you're doing well at work. Maybe you graduated college or graduated high school and you're like, man, 2019 was a banner year. But I just want you to know in God's economy, he might have said that's a total waste because you left 2019 the same person that you walked into it as. You didn't change. Nothing happened. You actually didn't draw near to the heart of God because everything was perfect. And it just shows you how differently God measures the things that we walk through and determines what is good and what's bad and what's success and what's failure. God wants, through all of this, listen, to change us as people. And I honestly think he's inviting us as a community to be transformed through the trouble that we're experiencing right now. So in Second Chronicles 7, I actually believe God gives us three things we can do that actually lead to redemption and revival in the world around us. 
And I think God's setting us up for this. I, I don't know that there's ever been a time in history where God has set people up for more redemption, more redemptive moments, and more revival in the church as we trust in the Holy Spirit, maybe more than we have ever had to in our entire lives. And he gives us three things. Three things that we need to do to, to set the table to experience God right now. He tells us about humility. He tells us we need hunger. And then ultimately to walk in holiness right now. So the text, he says, if my people humble themselves, humble themselves. That's the first thing. Would you humble yourself right now? And I just want to talk to you. Some of you are, are watching this alone at home and I get that. And, and maybe you fall into that camp of I'm just going to wait for, for church to, to get back to normal. And, you know, in, in December, Christmas Eve, we're hoping to have live gatherings. And so at that point, you're going to wander back into community. But I just want you to know, a lot of life's going to happen between now and Christmas Eve. A lot of unknowns are going to happen. And so what does it look like to humble yourself right now? To me, it looks like walking into community when you were isolated. And I just know for you right now, and I, I, my heart's with you, right? If you're just like, I, I wish we could get back to things the way that they were. I feel the same way. I miss gathering with everybody in this room and being together with our entire church. I, I miss walking into the store and not having to wear a mask or, or have people look at me funny if I cough, right? Like, I miss what used to be. But don't let that keep you from walking into what God is inviting you into right now, which is to be drawn near to his heart. And I just want you to know the best way to draw near to the heart of God is to draw near to the people of God. If you don't draw near to the people of God right now, I just want you to know you're going to struggle drawing near to the heart of God right now. And so here's my invitation. If, if, if you need to be humbled, and I know I need to be humbled, one of the best things to do is just to walk into awkward moments, walk into difficult situations. You know, a derivative of the word humble is humiliate. I mean, some of us need to be willing to be humiliated right now so that we can actually grow into the things that God is inviting us into. And what's that look like? Maybe it looks like confessing something. Just putting something out there to a trusted friend that you thought you would never tell somebody that you did or that you struggled with. And maybe right now, man, if you're struggling with something that you would just call somebody up after watching this and be willing to humble yourself. God says, once again, humility is something that will lead to his healing and restoration. It's an if-then statement. We can't ask God for God for his healing and his restoration if we're not willing to first be humble. So maybe it's just confessing something. Once again, maybe it's just showing up to somebody's house. We have these, these ACF outposts meeting all over the city. I mean, none of us have any excuse to, to be isolated right now, and yet it's so easy to continue that way. And so for you, maybe it's the risk of showing up and not knowing anybody. And I know that feeling, right? Brings me back to, to high school, right? Walking into youth group or into school and not knowing anybody and being the, the new kid because my dad was a military guy and we moved around all the time. I hated that feeling. But it's actually those moments that, that, that position us to build new relationships and to be healthy in the next season. Maybe for you, it's just simply to ask for help. Humbling yourself right now is just to ask somebody for a little bit of help. And I just want to encourage you, if you need some help, ask for help. So that's the first part of the text. He says, if my people, they humble themselves, the next thing is, and pray. So we as a church are beginning tomorrow, Monday, we're walking into 21 days of prayer and fasting. And you guys, I am so excited about this. I don't know if there's ever been a moment where the church has needed to pray and fast more than right now. 
And so maybe you've blown this off before or, or just, you know, kind of half-heartedly participated in these things and, and, and once in a while, you know, jumped in and jumped back out. But we're going to be doing this together as a church. And we talked actually as a staff even earlier today about all the things that God is asking us to pray for that we're seeking breakthrough for in our lives. And I just want you to know there's, there's something in your life that God wants to do if you're willing to, to pray and fast. Once again, if my people who are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray, then I would, right? If, then, statement. So maybe, maybe this is the first time that you're willing to do this. Maybe it's just so bad, it's so hard that you're like, okay, I could give up a few meals. I could actually, you know, choose to go to Brooks Loop, to our campus, you know, once a week for our early morning worship time. I know some of you are not morning people, but one day a week, we're going to gather in this room and we're going to worship together to, to set apart that day and, and to set apart that week uh, for God. And so I am so excited about what God's going to do through that time of prayer. I, I read this quote from John Piper earlier this week. It was just powerful. He says this, the greatest enemy of hunger for God is not poison, but apple pie. It's not the banquet of the wicked that dulls our appetite for heaven, but endless nibbling at the table of the world. It is not the X-rated video, but the primetime dribble of triviality we drink in every night. Once again, it's the day-to-day routines that keep us from knowing the deep love of Jesus for us. So let's change our routines. And the third thing is this. He invites us to turn from our wicked ways. So holiness, right? To live a life of holiness. And what we know about this text in Second Chronicles and this moment in history is that God's people would constantly wander back into worship of idols and ultimately that temple would be destroyed, right? And so that's, that's honestly something that happens in our lives all the time is once again, we, we become self-sufficient. We wander away from God. And God's inviting us. He says, if, if you'd humble yourself and pray and turn from your wicked ways, then I will heal, I'll hear, I'll forgive, right? And, but that means, that means repentance. That's an invitation to repent from the way that we used to live and the way that we used to see the world and to take up a new perspective and a new way of life. Today, maybe it's just an invitation to do the things that you've been meaning to do for years. What are the things that you've been saying for you? Oh yeah, I need to do that at some point. Well, what if for 21 days, you actually did that thing? What difference might that make in your life and even in mine? So here's the flow as we close. First, there's trouble. You've got trouble. I've got trouble. Certainly the world's got trouble right now. That trouble, if God's people really want to be with him, to understand him, to meet with him, that trouble leads to humility. And that humility leads to prayer. And that prayer leads to repentance. And that repentance leads to redemption. So here's the deal. We got to be honest We can't go from trouble to redemption. We have to walk the journey into humility, prayer, and repentance. You have a part to play in receiving redemption from Jesus in 2020. And actually, church, I just believe that he wants to redeem it. I believe this could be one of the best years of our life as individuals and of our life as a church if we're willing to walk in obedience. And here's what we know as believers. This is so key. Is that 2,000 years ago, there was this moment in history where a bunch of young teenagers and 20-somethings watched their friend and leader be crucified on a cross. And here's what they thought when they watched this whole thing go down. They thought, what a waste. And they might not have said it this way, but this is how we would have said it. What a dumpster fire. This is just a disaster. And here's what we know. Three days later, through one of the most graphic and horrible and painful moments that we've ever seen in human history, 
One of the most in, biggest in, injustices in human history, Jesus was resurrected. Through all of that loss, through all of that pain, through the most horrific moment of history, Jesus was her, resurrected to new life. And this is an invitation for us to look at the, the dumpster fires of life and see how hope emerges from these moments. Hope comes out of loss. And that's exactly what God wants to do for you. And I think he wants to do it for me. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you so much for the church today. Thank you so much that you redeem what's lost and broken in the world. God, thank you that you don't want to leave us where we are, but you want to invite us into something better. So God, right now, could we first be honest with ourselves, God? We ask you to reveal to us what part we have to play in the broken way that this, this moment looks, in the, in the broken situations that we find ourselves in. God, we know that we are all complicit to sin in so many different ways. And God, so would you reveal that to us? God, may we be humbled right now. God, could we be people of prayer willing to set aside some time and to, to walk away from some things that make us comfortable so that we might be more aware of your presence and of your heart and of your voice to us right now? And God, could we walk in holiness? We know there's things that are beyond us, things that uh, we gave up on fixing years ago. And God, we just need the work of your spirit in our hearts and the power that, that you would give us so that we could overcome sin. God, we can't do it alone. We need your help. And God, we need your church. We need your people. God, we know that isolation for us will, will lead us uh, to be unhealthy people. God, we want you to, to make us healthy. Give us the courage to walk back into community, whatever that might look like in this next season. God, thank you so much that you love us. Thank you that you bring hope out of the dumpster fires of life. We see that in the, the resurrection. God, we pray that you'd resurrect what's been lost in our lives as well. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you're in an outpost right now or even just with a couple of friends, I wanna encourage you to continue the conversation with just a, a really simple question. I want you to think about a story or a moment in life that shaped most who you are today for the better. And then just tell that story. Just think of a moment in life that shaped most who you are today and ultimately it was for the better. And just share that story with some friends right now. Love you guys. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for watching this message from ACF Church. Uh, we hope it's encouraged you and challenged you to be more like Jesus and to walk with Him in a closer and more profound way. If you'd like to give to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so at the link on the screen or at acfak.org. We love you and we'll see you next week.